2: Let's hang out. Let's hang out. And let's talk about what lessons found. Let's hang out. And let's listen
3: to Leslie and shout. Let's hang out. Let's hang out. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Les Hang Out, the podcast where Ellie, when I'm with you, that is the only time I feel alive. Oh, Lee, you shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, the correct response is that's all I need, that's, that's all I've ever needed I know,
1: sorry, I didn't have that quote written down let me try that <laughs> one more time
3: that's all I need,
1: that's all I've ever needed thank <laughs> you
3: good lord, is this you're so welcome. much to
1: ask <laughs> there's a lot and there's there's so much there's of the show. a lot. you are correct from the west coast, I'm Lee Holmes Foster and from the east coast, I'm Ellie Brigida to those of you who have been with us through this whole journey thank you as always for listening if you're a new listener, welcome, we're excited to have you here Here's what's happening this week. This week in the
2: Lesdom,
1: this week in the Lesdom is a place where we can touch base each episode about things going on with the podcast or otherwise. We want to remind you of our season five Patreon campaign. You can join at bit.ly/lespatreon. Once we hit 150 patrons, we will start releasing bonus episodes. And you know, Lee and I are dying to talk about more lesbian movies, so give us a reason to. Let's do it.
3: (laughs) We're just looking for an excuse. We also want to remind you, very exciting, that we have our first, first in such a long time, in-person live trivia event coming up. We're going to be doing our Valentine's Day, queer couples, all of that. Trivia on February 17th at Turtle Swamp Brewery in Boston. It is going to be from 7 to 9 Eastern with a reminder that Trivia will be starting on 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 the dot at 7. So you want to get there a little early, but we're so excited. We are going to have, well, I say we as though I'm going to get to be there. I'll be there. All of you in Boston are going to have a blast. I'm very excited for all of you. That's all.
1: It's going to be great. Speaking of bonus episodes on our Patreon, we are going to be having a Patreon-only Q&A episode because we made it to our first goal on Patreon, which is 125 patrons, which means we opened up questions to all of our patrons, and we have checked in on those questions.
3: (sighs) Oh, my God. It's
1: going to be great. Great, great time. They're so good. It's not too late to join. If you join our Patreon before February 23rd, you can join us live on Zoom to listen to our Patreon-only Q&A we'll also be releasing it as an audio episode on our Patreon only so you will not get it on the regular feed only patrons get to hear all of our thoughts on some really really great questions that people have They're been sending worth it. in
3: it's going to be great <laughs> we They're can't wait worth it. listen we're super excited we also want to remind you that we are going to be kicking off soon. So at the end of March is when we're going to be kicking off our next crowdfunding campaign for our next podcast musical. It's called Journey to the Heart. We're a little obsessed with it and we're very excited. And what that means is that we are kind of closing in on our last few weeks of putting together a team to help us crowdfund that. So if you'd like to help Make sure you send us an email, leshangoutpod at gmail.com so that you can join the meetings. We're going to have like a couple of meetings leading up to it to just A, meet people who are going to be helping us out and B, talk about what's going to be. Um, so that's kind of all happening uh, coming up soon. So if you are interested, please send us an email. We are really excited about the next musical that we're going to make.
1: It's going to be great. In the Greater Les Universe. Gay and lesbian adults have higher COVID vaccination rates than the rest of the population, which is not a surprise to me because we are better. Yeah, we're better, (laughs)
3: better, better people. We're better.
1: I think we also have a lot more personal experience with pandemics, so we're very much cautious and cognizant of our own health.
3: Especially experienced with pandemics that are just like kind of ignored and mistreated by the government. Yep. Like it's almost like queer people. There's some history there. Um, and so unsurprisingly, we're doing better. So good on
1: you, gays and lesbians. We appreciate you.
3: We also have some exciting news from our Flame family, which is we have to let you know that Valerie Rose Loman. Multiple guests on the pod, and also our fave and yours as Mel in the Flame has a new single dropping today. It is called "Kill for You, Die for You," and it should be available streaming everywhere. So make sure you check that out if you're looking for a new spooky bop. We also this week in the listum want to talk about the. I, I mean, I'm not going to say culmination because it's not over, but the like final, finally getting their slow burn that has been happening in Batwoman between Ryan and Sophie. So we want to talk about that Wildmore scene. You all, you all know what I'm talking about. You all know like Sophie breaking a lamp. They're in bed together. They both have like cute ass bras on. They're like... Taking turns, like, you know, Ryan's like, I'm a top. And Sophie's like, yeah, okay, sure. And, like, flips are over. Nice. And, like, it's, listen, listen. I might be a little behind. We're catching up on Batwoman. Still, that does not stop me from spoiling everything for myself. So, like, here I'm for into it. it. I'm here, here for it. it. It's also, we are certainly not going to understate the importance of, like, a hot, hot queer ship with two black women in it on our television screens. It's incredible. <laughs> I honestly, I was telling Kelsey when we were watching, we're still like uh, way behind the episode that we were watching about woman, but I was telling her because the show is just bonkers and like everybody is like hot and gay and I'm so here for it. And I was like, I honestly feel like there must be something happening where it's like (laughs) some combination of like the writers just being like, give the gays everything they want. And also like, does nobody at the CW like watch this show? (laughs) I feel like they just... (laughs) They have no idea <laughs> what's going on. Yeah. It's incredible. It's amazing that, like, all of this is making it to our TV screens. So, if you're not all watching, you should be. That's all I'm going to say.
1: You should be. Also, in Olympics news, the Olympics are happening. The U.S. and Canadian uh, hockey teams are competing against, against each other, and they're super, super gay. So, wives are on competing teams. Like, amazing. Ex wives are watching. Like, there's just so much, like, incest between all these, like, American and Canadian <laughs> lesbian hockey players that like I couldn't even keep track
3: of it. We need an Olympic hockey, like women's hockey teams chart. Yeah, somebody
1: please put together the chart for us so we can actually understand it. But either way I know
3: it's gay. So also can someone like write me this story? I want this story. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Story. like someone make this movie is what we're make saying. Make
1: this movie. Yeah. They're like the wives have to like go in separate rooms to train and it's crazy, yes. crazy. Yes. But that's what's happening this week. Back to you, Ellie
3: and Lee. Thanks, Ellie and Lee, and welcome to Season 5, Episode 12, our next installment of Les Essentials.
1: Les Essentials is a recurring segment on the show where we dive into classic lesbian movies or TV shows.
3: And as a reminder, we are writing and recording original songs for every one of our Les Central's recaps now. So you are going to want to stick around to the end of the uh, the very end of the episode to hear our new original song called Leave a Mark. It's a bop. It's a bop. I can't wait.
1: And it is in the style of the Dickinson music universe. So (laughs) get excited for that. It's going to be really fun. We tried. We tried. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. And for this list essentials, if you didn't tell from our quote at the beginning, we're talking about the 2019 through 2021 Apple TV series, Dickinson.
3: Dickinson. Obviously, loosely, loosely, somewhat not loosely based on the life of one Emily Dickinson. It is created by Elena Smith stars Haley Steinfeld. Everybody knows and loves the Haley Steinfeld world domination tour yeah, yeah, we're right here now. For it. <laughs> and Ella Hunt as Susan Gilbert Dickinson. Great. It's great, it's great great, great
1: series. Um listen. As we say like loosely based, everyone knows or I'd like to say everyone knows but like Emily Dickinson and her brother's wife were in a very long time love affair. So that's Emily Dickinson and Susan Gilbert Dickinson, not related and sort of related but also and sort of but also lovers. So we're excited to talk about to talk about that and Dickinson itself. I think it really is like such a great example of how you can make a period piece in a modern style that still feels accurate to the time
3: and new mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um so let's read our IMDb synopsis for Dickinson. Okay, for anyone who has not yet watched Dickinson, uh, or who has and just loves, you know, when we read these, here is our IMDb synopsis: Set in the nineteenth century, it explores the constraints of society, gender, and family from the perspective of rebellious young poet Emily Dickinson. I mean, I like the "it" here. <laughs> yeah, it, it. I think it is Dickinson. The TV, I, the TV it series, is, but it's just. It's weird. It's still a weird use of it. (laughs)
1: Yes. So I don't know. (laughs) Very, very strange. But yeah, there's our IMDb synopsis. We are going to try our best to go through. There are three seasons of the show, and that's all we are getting, right? Three seasons. That's like the finale of the show. We're not going to get a fourth season. So we figured now is the time to talk about all three seasons because we've been wanting to talk about it for a while, but it hasn't been done yet. So now we're here. We're ready to dive in. So let's talk. We're going to give a synopsis of season one first. So let's start with season one, Lee. What do you got for me? What
3: is season one of Dickinson about? So season one, I feel like we don't have to do like as in depth of an analysis of all of it, but I feel like we should really kind of dig into what we learn in the first episode (laughs) of season one, right? Because I feel like season one, episode one really like sets up a lot for the show and I think namely that who cares about anything else we meet Emily and well we don't actually even meet Sue yet we meet Austin who says he proposed to Sue and she said yes and what we know about Sue right now is that she is Emily's best friend and she is gonna marry Emily's brother Brother. yep and Emily sends her a little note being like, meet me in the orchard, a recurring theme of their lives together. Emily just wants to like send small pieces of paper. Small
1: pieces of paper, small writing. At like Sue yeah, yeah. with
3: tiny writing on them. <laughs> meet me in the orchard. And they have this whole showdown in the orchard where Emily's like, I can't believe you're marrying my brother. And Sue's like, my whole family is dead, which like fair. Yes, <laughs> fair small orphaned sue gilbert is gonna marry austin and i have my first quote that i wrote down because i think it's very important is emily looks at sue and says promise me something sue that you'll always love me more than him and sue replies i wouldn't worry too much about that one and then they Suck face. Hell yeah. <laughs> aggressively in the rain, in their dresses, in the orchard. And uh, lesbians the world over went, ah, Dickinson, you say? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: yeah, they did not slow play that for us, and I really appreciate that. So thank you for I love starting it. us. We'll get to season two. But thank you for st- <laughs> thank you for starting us with some great lesbian content and then ripping it away from us in season two. We'll get there. Well,
3: listen. But season one, I appreciate it. But to your point, like, listen, when you tell people, hey, we're doing like an Emily Dickinson period piece and like it's going to be about her and Sue who like clearly fucked their whole lives. I think that's not what most of us expected, you know?
1: And they really gave it to us right in the first episode, yeah. which I do appreciate. Yeah, yeah. Very, very it soon is... into the first episode, we completely understand that Sue does not is not in love with Austin. <laughs> she is madly in love with Emily Dickinson, and she has to marry Austin in order to, like, not, not die. Yeah, literally. She says, like, <laughs> I need food. Stay alive. I'm pretty sure she <laughs> says to Emily, she was like, I can't eat if I don't marry a brother, so, like, let me marry a brother. I'm so sorry.
3: Listen, not a lot of options in 1850s Amherst for a young or Orphaned lass and her lack of all available options. Uh, So yeah, I think it's it's fair.
1: It's fair, but it does put us in some shitty situations all through season one. Let's do it.
3: It it does, (laughs) and so I think that that's if we go through what happens in season one. There's a lot of there's a lot of them working through the emotions of like how they feel about each other, and all kind of building up to the wedding, right? Like that's what I would say kind of frames season one, is season one opens with Austin proposing, season one ends with the wedding, and I think a lot of the in-between there is... Seeing more of their relationship, seeing more of them each trying to process how they feel about building up to this wedding. So you kind of have, like, right from the get-go with them, like, making out in the orchard. But then you also get, like, Sue's not married yet, so she's still in the household primarily as, like, Emily's friend. So there's are sleepovers all the time. They're constantly in each other's beds. Yep platonically in quotation marks, feels very reminiscent of my college experience. Um,
1: (laughs) We have um, some really nice (laughs) comparisons of Sue and Emily's sex life with volcanoes. So that's nice. Yeah,
3: yeah, yep, 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 yep. (laughs) And well, and even that whole episode, because that's the episode where they dress up like dudes, which like hot, I'm here for it. But what I love is before they do all of that, that whole episode starts with them having a sleepover and they're lying in bed and Emily, and I love this because actually going back and like rewatching some of the earlier scenes that I didn't realize some of the stuff that they like call back to later on quite as much. So Emily goes, I wish I could just marry you. And Sue says, you'd be a terrible husband. (laughs) Yep. <laughs> Accurate. And but what I love is she says, uh, Emily responds and she goes, but I bet I'd look good in a suit. And I'm like, obviously, obviously. And then they spend the whole episode dressed Dress up, up in those little men. Yeah. dude suits. And I love it. And uh, and yeah, they go to a talk to learn about volcanoes and then they. Have sex. Yeah. And then they have a volcano happen in their to bed. To a hot, hot volcano poem. Yeah. I mean, hashtag relatable content. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's great. Whomst amongst us has not, you know, just gotten really upset about Pompeii and then boned a little. Yeah, it's, it happens. Sure. But yeah, so it's, you know, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of pent up feelings. There's a lot of emotional baggage that they're dealing with. Um, there's a lot of stuff to process between Emily and Austin as well. We have Austin like walks in on Emily and Sue kissing, and like has Jane, who you know Jane always a, a problem situation yep. in this show. Jane like tells Austin she's like, "Wow, I don't know how I'd feel marrying a girl who's like clearly into in love my with your sister." Yeah, <laughs> like, and you're like awkward. Well, well mm, um, and, he's and so like, he like How walks did you in. not realize?
1: Like Austin is yeah, such an idiot.
3: Yeah he's got austin's season one hair just like i love it yes. i love it i feel like we could do a side episode podcast like just talking about austin's hair yeah the evolution the of his hair is
1: pretty impressive <laughs> it's,
3: yeah it's amazing yeah. right like he's such a child yes. here and it's like so perfectly encapsulated by his little douchey haircut <laughs> It's so bad. It's, the worst. it's so bad. He's so bad. And it's he's such a dick about everything. Like, he walks in on them kissing, loses his shit. Sue is like, I can't deal with the two of you, which, like, fair. And Sue can't deal with them. She's like, I'm going to go to Boston. She goes to Boston. Emily's like, I'm dying. Oh, no. And, like, Sue comes back because she's like, you can't tell me you're dying. Like, literally my entire family died. <laughs> and Emily's like, I was just... Being Exa- dramatic. I was just exaggerating. <laughs> I, was I felt just, like I was dying. It was a metaphor. Yeah. And you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> so Sue comes back, and Emily's like, marry Austin. And so she decides to marry Austin. And then immediately gets jealous when Emily meets a dude. And you're like, ah, it begins. Yep. It begins with the men. At least I liked Ben. I'll give him that much. Yes.
1: But I also would like to say, so... Elise, who I do sweet bitter with, she is a poet and, like, studies Emily Dickinson and everything. And she was, like, as she started watching Dickinson, she was, like, mm, like, yeah, like, <laughs> like, Sue was the only person that Emily Dickinson was ever in love with. Yeah. Like, if you look at any of her poetry and all that kind of stuff, like, it's, like, very much projection to put all of these men into her life
3: it is projection what i enjoy about it and we can start talking a little bit about it here because i do think like it is projection in and i mean in the same way that like all of this is a little fan fiction-y, right like this is like emily dickinson fan fiction yeah. but i think yeah. it's done in clever ways and the one thing that i will give them for ben cuz a i liked ben as a character like I found him believable. We'll get to Sam when we talk about what a shit show that was. But like, I found Sam believable as a character for somebody for Emily to develop feelings for, right? Like somebody who respects her, who understands her, who like she can have that type of relationship with. Fine. Ben dies. R.I.P. Ben. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) We're doing such a good recap. I know. Ben dies. (laughs) Of tuberculosis. uh, Yes. And what I liked about it is that There is, you know, we've sort of glossed over it a little bit, but I think they use Ben's death to me in like two interesting ways. The first of which is that this is Emily's first time losing somebody that she really cared about. They use that A, I think, to make it relatable for her to be able to understand like, oh, hey, Sue's whole family has died. Yeah. Everybody that she had is dead now and I don't think like I think they do a good job of using that to like help Emily understand a little bit and be less of a child about this whole situation right because she has been being a child like it is easy again always for us to look back at, in period pieces and be like and oh again, just like uh, run away together and live together and be happy and, yeah but, but like, like
1: that's not realistic like that's not
3: a thing they would like, run away together
1: and live together and die
3: Right. And Sue's options at this point were like, hey, I could die on the side of the road or like marry some guy. And I happened to marry a guy who I like know and like and trust and know the whole family and keeps me conveniently close to the love girl I want to Yeah, <laughs> my whole life. So great. Like, I think I think they use it to help Emily in that way, like get a little perspective. Yeah. Great. Something Austin does not do yet. <laughs> And the other thing that they do with it, which I love, is when we start the season, right? You start the season and Sue is all in black and is always all in black because she is in constant mourning from her whole family dying. Every single person dies. And we end the season and they call it out too, right? Like Sue has this quote where she's like, now you're the one in black because Emily is in black uh, in mourning for Ben. And it's during the wedding. And so you get this. Not only just the flip between the two of them, but what I love about it is that they dress Emily like her fucking groom. Like, they put Emily in all black and Sue in her wedding dress. And I'm like, yes. Well, also, you can think, like,
1: also, she is in mourning for Sue as well. Well, yes, there's that. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes. And even, like, towards the end, because this now I think we're, we've, the middle of season one is fine, but, like, Sue and Emily aren't together, so... Same way that season two. Yeah, so who cares? We're not going to waste time on Season two ben I'll that barely, barely talk about either because they're they not <laughs> fucking together. But yeah, so I do. what I do love about the wedding too is that like, okay, they're getting married. But like before Sue gets married, she has like an adventure with Emily.
3: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they go run through the orchard again together with like their little flowers and they're dressed like a bride and groom and they're so fucking cute. I can't stand it. And yeah. I love them. And then Austin has a giant fucking temper tantrum and like pisses himself over the fact that Sue got her dress dressed dirty, dirty yeah. and he like uninvites Emily from the wedding and is a giant dick about all of it. So huge, bop, bop. huge asshole. I know Austin's character arc like
1: does not do him too many favors.
3: <laughs> it really doesn't for a long time. Yeah. Austin takes a while. I'll tell you what. Season two is not going to be uh, his time to shine either. <laughs> no. So that's that's where we leave season one, right? Is there anything else yeah, no, I think that's important m- that we want to talk about <sighs> plot wise? Well, I think the only other thing is the poem that
1: Emily writes for Sue. So oh, she yeah. writes. she writes like the poem that basically people like quote often of like Soon Sue Forever Yeah. The poem is called One Sister. One sister have, have I, I in our, our house. house. And it's about yeah. like gaining a new sister, but like you know, it's also pretty uh intense. She writes it in the smallest lettering possible so that only Sue can read it too. So it's just like another thing of- (laughs) Sue's
3: Sue's there with like a fucking magnifying glass. Like it is, I love it. She looks like she's, you know, like fucking Harriet the Spy over here trying
1: to And she is bawling her eyes out when Austin comes in. So Austin sees his bride-to-be crying because she's in love with his sister. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's tough, that's tough. But yeah, that's the end of season one. Oh, also we do find out that Sue's pregnant.
3: Yes. Sue is pregnant. And if we use that as the jumping off point for season to, like, two, jump to season yep. two, because I feel like so it's in the break between season one and season two. Right. That like Sue has a miscarriage. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So basically, like they don't show, they don't show, it, it. show the just miscarriage. Kinda, like, you get in, yeah, You get it. into the beginning of season two. And the whole thing is that like Sue's having all these parties at her house. So she's constantly trying to like distract herself. With parties. All she's doing is throwing party, 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 party.
3: Sue Gilbert Dickinson, the OG influencer. Yes. <laughs> like, That's, yep. She is like, one of my TikTok videos went viral. And now all I can do is this. this. Sorry. exactly. We're just It get- it is. I am a salon. That's all I do now. I have salons. Sorry, not sorry. Yep. This is my life. And
1: then two, Emily and Sue like. This is why I honestly hate season two. I just don't like it. Sorry, everyone, but I think a lot of people agree with me. <laughs> but the beginning of season two, Emily and Sue are not really talking. They're only corresponding through letters and poems. Yeah. And through Austin. So Austin has yeah. to be like talking as a messenger between the two of them, which is like the most uncomfortable thing to be like, hey, can can you, my brother, be the messenger and tell Sue I love her? Like, yeah. <laughs> Tell Sue I want her to come to my bed tomorrow.
3: Remember that time you did not want me to come to your wedding because, like, your wife clearly is in love with me and not you? Could you, like, remind her of that place? Exactly. Exactly.
1: (laughs) And then the first episode, the only real interaction we have between Emily and Sue is that Emily comes to the party. She's covered in ink because she's been writing constantly and her pen explodes, whatever. She comes to the party covered in ink. To to see Sue, and Sue also, like, is is supposed to introduce her to Sam Bowles, who's, like, the bait Mm -hmm. of my existence. I hate him so much. (laughs) And she pulls her aside, and Emily's like, have you been reading my poems? And Sue's Sue's like, (gasps) what is – I do have the quote for this. She said, they make me feel so much, it's too painful.
3: Yeah. Well, and listen, a couple things. Because, A, I – it's, like, so – Emily Dickinson, like show Emily Dickinson. It's so Emily to finally get to talk to Sue. And the only thing she asks is like, did you read my poems? Yep. And I'm like, girl. How about you check in? Dial it back. Yeah, like also how how you are you? on your friends. I've missed you. Yeah. How are you feeling since your very recent miscarriage? Yes. <laughs> Any number of questions that would be better to start with than did you read my poems and what did you think of my poems? Yep. But to be fair, that is all that Emily Dickinson
1: in the show cares about. But Correct. She cares Correct. about her poems and she cares about Sue. There's some interesting themes in season two also. I think it's season two, maybe it's season three, but either way, it, it's a recurring theme where people are like, you don't actually love Sue, you just love writing to Sue. And I'm like, ooh, that hits me hard.
3: Well, and season two is also interesting because it's like, t- we'll we'll talk a little bit more when we get into like the broader themes, but it's interesting watching Sue tells her, I think, also at that same party that she's like, I can't be your only reader anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, it is too much. It is like too much pressure on her. She cannot handle it, cannot handle all these feelings. And it's like what starts the whole Sam Bowles thing is Sue is like, I know I will fix this by getting you published. And so it's like this weird. Mix of like being famous, like, yeah, Sue's like, I'm the salon influencer, I'm gonna make you the poetry influencer, and like that seems to be her answer to things. And so, then you also have this like giant conflict and disconnect over how each of them see and experience and relate to fame, right? Like, that's kind of like a central thing of this season, but yeah, I think a lot of it kind of boils down to like. Each of their own problems and uh, inability to communicate with each other in any meaningful way whatsoever, like all season. At all. Well, because
1: it is like basically Emily's then like really from episode one to episode 10 of season two, we barely (laughs) see Emily and Sue interact in a romantic way. We see them like out at like the opera together or like at Sue's parties, but we like never see them in private. And so part of that, I think, is, like, Sue's storyline really goes to, like, she's obviously grieving her miscarriage. She throws herself into whatever she can throw herself into to just, like, push the grief away and not think Salons. about it. Solon's
3: an affair. Yeah an affair. What do we got? yeah, an affair with
1: Sam Bowles, who, like, is the editor of the Springfield Republican and is supposed to be this, like, charming, like, Really, like, charismatic man. And I got the creeps the second I saw him show up oh, on, he's sp- so on screen. Oh, he's so smarmy. I was like, this man is disgusting.
3: He is, like, oily. Yeah. The, is that, like, a good yes. word to use for Sam? Yes. He The second that he shows up on screen, he is just, like, you're like, ugh, I have a bad taste in my mouth. He just seems like a snake. It's like, I hate he's him. so
1: slimy. Ugh. Yeah, he makes me so uncomfortable. And so... Emily and Sue's storylines revolve around Sam Bowles for the entirety of season two. And that's why I hate season two, because it revolves around, like, yes, we're talking about fame, but it feels like it revolves around Sam Bowles. And then at the end of the season, they're like, oh, well, actually, Sam was like, just a stand in for my feelings for you. And I'm like, okay, fine. But why did I have to sit through two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight like, every episode in between talking about Sam But yeah, Emily's <laughs> Emily's whole thing. You're like,
3: okay, let's talk about, like, everyone thinks Emily's having an affair with Sam. Now we see Sue is actually, actually having an, an affair, affair with, with Sam. Sam. Now Sam is telling Emily that, like, she is acting like they're having an affair. Now she's writing to his wife. Let's hear about how his wife hears, feels about all of this stuff. Now Sue's going to go visit the wife. Exactly. And you're just like, for the love of Christ, <laughs> I do not care <laughs> about Sam I do not Bulls. care about
1: Sam Bowles. Like, and that's the that entire season, two is about Sam Bowles, to be fair. Yeah. It's about Emily disco- like discovering that, like, does she want to be famous? She doesn't want to be famous. And then this man, Sam, like, feeling like – and I do understand, like, how they're sort of they're, – they're doing it. Like, there's this moment towards the end when she finally is like, goodbye, Sam. Like, I do not want you to publish my poems. Like, I'm taking them back. Is like she finally gets the power back. Like, she gave yeah. all of her power to a man. And then she realizes, no, I did not want this man to have control over – me, my thoughts, my poems, but yet he does for like the entire season. Yeah. And she takes the poems back and then he leaves and he's like,
3: "I'm a feminist."
1: <laughs> I'm like, "God damn you, Sam Bold." Uh,
3: he's oh God, he's the worst. the worst. There is also, but there is also something about it where it's like I feel like it kind of springboards us into season 3 yes. that Emily spends all of season two kind of chasing fame, right? And you have, there's kind of like this dual thing happening with like Sam and fame and all of this stuff and nobody, right? Like that's kind of the counter balance in all of season two. Do I want no one to know who I am or do I want everyone to know who I am? Yeah. And what I like is that the thing that kind of really gets emily out of that spiral (laughs) is watching sam and sue fuck and she's like hang on a second maybe i am actually not into all of this don't like this one bit and because that's what really prompts their whole showdown right it's like she sees the affair and they sort of try to like spin the dialogue a little bit as being like oh she like you know like you forced me to have feelings for sam and all this stuff and it's like you don't have feelings for sam yeah like you just <laughs> no, no.
1: don't you
2: just this don't. is not
3: about sam ladies yeah. like this is about the two of you and that's what kind of prompts that whole showdown and that's what prompts You know, Emily cutting deep at Sue being like, without me, I don't think you know how to have feelings. And Sue is like, you're damn right. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, yeah, you got me there. I can't. You got me there. Check. Like, good point. The only time I feel things is when I'm with you. The only true thing I will ever feel is my love for you. And then listeners, they fucked. (laughs) in every room of their house in every way you can imagine (laughs) thank god they fuck in the room they fuck in the dining room they fuck in the kitchen in a bath they fuck in the greenhouse like name a place and they are there like ripping open some real juicy oranges and having sex on (laughs) those
1: oranges and to be fair like for the payoff Fine. But also Great. like could you have given that to us as like episode five, please? Yeah. But yes, they it is like one of the best like scenes <laughs> it's ever. It's so good.
3: It's so obnoxiously good that they made us wait for that whole season and I will forgive them for it because of how good that scene is, even though hot, hot garbage up until then. <laughs> yes. Yes. That episode is
1: I will watch that episode over and over and over. But the rest it's, of the season is uh, so good. I get it out of me get it out of here i don't need it also like a few other characters have some stuff we don't that don't, doesn't really matter but like we have austin and jane sort of starting something so you see that like austin and sue are like not really their marriage is a sham which we haven't already known but it's like confirmed and then lavinia has this whole thing with that random guy ship i
3: i love and (laughs) ship i'm not gonna lie i love them and mostly it's just because i heart lavinia so freaking much what is it with me and these characters i feel like lavinia for me is the same way that i feel about alexis you know like why do i my my sweet summer child lavinia dickinson i love them i just i don't know what it is i mean lavinia is
1: just like undeniably great character Hilarious. She's incredible. Hilarious. Incredible. But yeah, so that's that's where we're at. And finally, Sue and Emily are together. So let's go into season three real quick. Okay, let's do it. I prefer season three and season one. I prefer because we just get way more of Sue and Emily. And I'm like, that's the only reason I'm watching the show. <laughs> I do find and some of the other stuff interesting. Yeah, yeah, and also <laughs> war. So also, also a lot of stuff in season two was building up to the Civil War as well. So, we mm-hmm. did have um, that whole plot where we have Henry who starts his own paper and is like, and we have all kinds of like things leading up to the Civil War. So, yes, we have the Civil War. And that's like another theme in, in season three, too, where it's like Civil War and also like war within the Dickinson households. A, a house, house divided. divided. Yes.
3: <laughs> and a baby.
1: And a baby. Yes. So, <laughs> we got a lot of themes going. Listen, Sue's pregnant. But luckily, I'm like, okay, Sue's pregnant, fine, and she's like, I don't know how it happened. I'm sorry, Emily. Just like, save I also, it. <laughs>
3: it is one thing that it, it hadn't even occurred to me until putting together some notes for this that like we never see Sue and Austin like together. We've really. seen
1: them once, so we see them together in episode one of season one because he says he rides up on the horse and he tells Emily, Sue said yes, and he's going down on her, and she's screaming yes
3: but like that's like that's we never really see them seen. have sex so the right like we've ever seen. we see her and sam way more than we ever see her in austin i like how they're just like and she's pregnant yes i guess they had sex well also like, you know what's
1: really interesting is actually all the sex scenes we see with men and sue is them eating her out we that's never true. see penetration <laughs> it always is the men so actually like honestly good on you sue like she- so, all of uh, listen.
3: I know there are like fierce, uh, fierce camps in terms of like what role each of them play in the bedroom. So all of you like a bottom kind of pillow princess. I uh, could be well, it could be true because yeah, she constantly with. <laughs> I'm you. not. I'm just gonna say like there's you know there's things in favor of that argument. Well, all.
1: with the men in her life, but also the volcano. She was she was doing stuff. To she Emma's, does. Like, I know. Emily, so we also all know that like lesbian relationships if only one person is doing something like there's something wrong yeah here. um yeah. <laughs> but yeah so back to season three sue's pregnant there's also so much where like bringing it back to like emily wanting to marry sue there's so much with sue where she's like i want to raise the baby with you emily like i yeah. want you to be the father like i want us to go away and like raise this child together and emily is like not having it like she's- yeah
3: sue's done a brisk 180 from like you would make a terrible husband she's like why can't we just have a family and a baby together and be married and you could be my husband and we could be the best little family and you're like oh hello hormones yep
1: yep <laughs> but she does have the baby and oh austin is a shit show he's like a complete dr- oh austin he's drunk Every day, he's having a huge, like, fully public affair with Jane. He is really a mess, and yeah. So his hair
3: is better now, but it's still, you know. Yeah, yeah. Lo- he's not great. He's he's got a um, beast from Beauty and the Beast
1: hair. You know that he like does. long. He
3: does. He does. Oh my
1: he's god! It. it explains um, so much. <laughs> there's a lot of other like really good gay shit in season three. This just so, and one of those is Walt Whitman. Yeah, I feel like it is important to talk about this. So, Emily, over this course of all the seasons, meets a lot of famous po- poets or or authors, writers. Yeah, like authors, we met yeah. um, in season one. We go to Walden Pond and meet Thoreau, and that's like, but that's like not really gay, but just like context. But Walt Whitman's played by Billy Eichner,
3: mm-hmm. and and also I love him,
1: <laughs> and. Like, the most ridiculous thing ever. So, and also Louisa May Alcott, right? Is there? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Well, they meet, They she met Louisa May Alcott in season season one. one? I think season one. Maybe? Yeah, season one. I want to say season one. Yeah, I think it's definitely season one. Um, she comes back. Louisa May Alcott yeah, comes yeah, yeah, yeah. back in the episode where she meets Walt Whitman. But yeah. then they also, like, go to a gay bar.
1: Like, Walt yes. Whitman takes her to a gay bar and is like, Tell and me it what is you desire. Fucking lit. There's yeah. There's like a fucking mermaid. There's like <laughs> you can just yeah. It's uh, Walt Whitman's like New York is back. And in the gay bar, Emily just screams, "I love Sue." Yeah, she's just screaming, "I love Sue" in a gay bar. And I'm like, this is the content that I wanted in season two, people. So yeah, yeah. season three, very very gay, just constantly Sue like with the baby trying to at a certain point she lets austin in and helps her with the baby but like most of the time she's like emily raise the baby with me there's (laughs) they do um, nobody
3: else just emily (laughs) yeah
1: they have like a um a night where they're like everyone everyone comes over for a sing-along and they're playing a song and like um the father's... Like, Sorry,
3: I think you mean uh, a good old-fashioned sing-along. Yes, yeah, a good old-fashioned Dickinson sing-along.
1: Dickinson sing-along. And everyone, we all know, like, everyone in this cast are incredible singers, so it was just, like, a really fun episode. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right, so we have, like, Jane Krakowski, we have freaking Haley Steinfeld, Ella Hunt, Ella Hunt yeah. and they're all just, like, fucking singing their hearts out. I'm like, this is amazing. And uh, Mr. Dickinson's like, oh, you should teach the baby this song. And Sue's first reaction is, who, me and Emily? Oh,
3: my God. <laughs> and, he's like, um, you and Austin. He's like, you and my son, your, like, you husband. And your husband. Your husband.
1: Who are you talking about? Um, So that's ridiculous. We also have the episode with Sylvia Plath in it, which is a great episode, where they go to the future. <sighs> I cannot. So they're in the 1950s, and they're still, like, in Amherst. Right. They're like basically at the Emily Dickinson house. Yeah. And so she sees in the future Sylvia Plath is like showing them their own house. It's her and Lavinia showing her her own house and saying like this is the house of Emily Dickinson like one of the greatest poets of all time. And so she knows that like her poems survive. But there's also a very gay moment here. Which is where Sylvia Plath is like, oh, and very scandalous. There was a pub, a, like something published last year or something that said that <laughs> Emily Dickinson was a lesbian.
3: A lesbian. <laughs> and
1: Emily's like, oh, oh, shit. And Lavinia's like, wait, what? And we have an actually really nice coming out moment. So there's a lot in season three that's like very good gay shit. So she comes out to Lavinia and tells her that she is in love with Sue. And Lavinia's like, cool.
3: Great. Yeah, Lavinia's like we kind of been new, Emily. Yes. I think it's the summation of that conversation. It's pretty obvious.
1: <laughs> One of my favorite parts of season 3 is the inferno with Emily and Sue because you literally got Emily going into the inferno and what the hell does Sue look
3: like? Sue is hot hot in a suit, let's put it that way.
1: And that is that Ella Hunt's real haircut?
3: because uh, you know that's I'm pretty question. sure am I don't she, know because she, she has, has a short, short hair, hair. Cut,
1: right yeah and I think as she sues she has a wig on
3: so yeah. I'm pretty sure I don't sure know if, they, they if that was also a wig or if they left it I feel natural because like it feels longer than her hair a longer, is I think
1: she has a very short haircut it's all like she's in a whole like suit they're dancing she's in
3: like coattails and she is hot. dancing upon her man hot hot stuff it's so good I also I love I just love that portrayal of Sue because it's like it's so interesting watching Emily have this whole thing of being like all I want is Sue like she's kind of come to this realization herself now of being like all I want is Sue I love Sue but then you get like Inferno Sue who's like a little too much (laughs) like a little too much and I just I love that line of like what does she say? Where she's like, you're putting words in my mouth, and she's like, let me put something else in there then. Yes. And <laughs> <Like>, you're like, Sue? <laughs> and <so> like lunges for her. And I'm just like, I love it. And I yeah, it's just, it's a super interesting scene to watch Emily like dig through all of the the parts of herself that like she is most afraid of and the parts of how the people around her see her that she is the most afraid of. And how that plays out with her, f- how she feels about Sue and what she's afraid of with Sue, and how much she still wants her, you know, is just—it's very interesting. It's so intense. I love it.
1: But then Emily comes back and she's like, "Damn, all I want to do is be with Sue." She goes to Sue's house. They're having a going-away party for George Gould, who's going to the war. Oh, George! And. Emily just grabs Sue and starts kissing her in the hallway.
3: It is um okay. Wait, Emily pushes Sue up against the wall. (laughs) Yes, and she kisses her neck in the hallway where everyone's in the other
1: room. And Sue's like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, Sue's not not
3: into it. No, 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 no.
1: no, no. She loves it. And then they have like this whole night. I'm curious about this. Do you think at this point Austin like very much knows and is just like fuck it?
3: Because I'm listen. They have sex in
1: her bed, right?
3: That's yeah. And I, I they like kind of gloss over this whole thing where she's like, I need a night with you. And they've been kind of building up this whole thing where like Sue will not let Austin take care of the baby like at all. And he's been like asking and asking. And he's like, please let me take care of my son. I want to be a dad. We're going to challenge gender norms and all this stuff. And she's like, no, 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 no. That's not what dads do. And then Emily's like so you up? And she's like, here, Austin, Take have the baby. baby. Bye. <laughs> yeah, no, that's why I was like. <laughs> and, then, and it's like, they keep cutting back and forth from like them boning to like Austin, like burping the baby. And you're like, D- was I, what? Yeah. Was she just like, here, Austin, have the baby. I got to go like, fuck Emily for a little I bit. I mean, Bye. I literally <laughs> think
1: that's what happened. So it's amazing. It's, it's incredible. It's pretty great. And so we get that. And then I think the the next episode after that is the finale where like it's, Not as much Emily and Sue because it's the finale and I feel like they're just like wrapping everything up. But we basically have like this whole thing that's just like in every war, the only people they don't kill is the poets because the poets have to tell the story. And then we just get this like time warp of Emily sitting in her room writing poetry day after day after day until she basically like to the words of her own poem Like, I'm guessing this means that she died. What do you... Like, the ending looks like she's, like, going into the afterlife or something. Oh, I don't know.
3: That's not how I read it at all.
1: Oh, because she's, like... Let's discuss. So she's... I'll tell... So she's on a boat, and she's rowing towards a bunch of mermaids. Yep. Okay, and that's the end. And (laughs) that's the end. That's the end.
3: (laughs) You read that as her dying.
1: Yeah, because I felt like they were... They kept time-lapsing, like, so much in that room. Yeah. That I felt like they were trying a time lapse of like, okay, this is like time, time, time. And then like she's ready to like Uh, come home to death. Because we've had death come up so much in the season.
3: We have. So then why didn't death show
1: up is what you're going to say? I'm like.
3: Well, no, I just I guess I read it differently because I think so to me. Right. Like part of the whole thing about this show is like a lot of people thought it was really interesting to make a show that is like this wild and anachronistic and hip and vibrant and all of this stuff about someone who was essentially a shut-in right i mean yes. like that's what was what's most famously known about emily dickinson and again i mean let's be clear before ellie and i dive into all of this discussion is like we are not the world's preeminent Emily Dickinson. Emily, scholars, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> like, so don't take we, our
1: historical.
2: We are analysis people with a service level
3: yeah. understanding of Emily Dickinson who have also watched this show. Here we go. Let's do it. Yes. But what most people know about Emily Dickinson is like she was a shut-in, and the reason that her poetry is so incredible, besides just like she was a woman in a time where women were not poets, and who did all of these kind of like cool, weird, new things with her poetry that were not very famous or done at the time but the other thing that I think is most incredible about Emily Dickinson's poetry is that she lived her entire life in one room and wrote about stuff that she like had no business being so good writing about you know and so I think to me the way I read that scene is that that whole time lapse thing is the transition from the show that we've watched of like your youthful wild times, and like you as a person, and like your life, and your love, and your like all of this now turns into like, and now you're writing. Like, now you are locked up in this room. You do not leave. We're seeing seasons change. And you're just writing. You're writing in the snow. You're writing by the fire. You're writing under a blanket. You're writing in the summer. You're right. You're just in this room writing. But as we see her write, she writes, I took my dog to the beach. And she is on a beach with a dog. Not her dog. We've never seen this dog. <laughs> right? <laughs> but she writes it and she is there. And so it's like, to me, it was this really interesting, like, contrast of saying like we see we know she is in this room she does not leave this room but she's also not in the room yeah, yeah right because her imagination can because take she, her that's, anywhere yeah she wants like to that's go. where yes. she goes she just goes there out of the room and it's like that's what i kind of saw that scene as is not like dying i read it more as like we are seeing the reality of a person like how would you survive your entire life in one room that size yeah you know and i think to me the answer is like well because you're not always there you're wherever you are when you're writing and that's where she like that time she was writing and she was on a beach being free in her boat to the mermaids yes also like quite a gay ending (laughs)
1: So just like quite a
3: gay ending, to just be like
1: rowing a boat towards a bunch of mermaids on a thing, like I'm like, yeah, we get it, we get it. But,
3: but that was, I don't know, that was how I read the ending. But I don't think there's like a right or wrong answer. Yeah, I think the point of the ending is that, that, that it is means. more open ending,
1: open ended, yeah. right? Because it's like we do get. I like that we do get like in episode nine of season three, we know that Sue and Emily are still in love and like they're still whatever. So like we get a good like resolution and a happy ending to their story. But yeah, then like then the final episode is really more about Emily's poetry, which is to be fair, season one through three, like, yes, we're talking about Emily and Sue, but like the themes that come up very often are that like Emily's poetry is the most important thing to her. It's like her poetry and Sue.
3: Yeah. Right. Her poetry and Sue. Well, and that's I think that's why, you know, because it's like when we talked about the, you know, season two. uh, Okay, fine. (laughs) But season two ends on i think like there's a really important line when they have that scene in the greenhouse when they're lying together in the greenhouse and well sue says emily when i'm with you that's the only time i feel alive emily responds that's all i need that's all i've ever needed and she goes i write for you my sue and i think that like that a captures a lot of the problem that problems that they had in season, season two, two, but I yeah. also it I also think it like catapults you into what happens in season three, which is like up until season three, Emily does not know how to love Sue without writing her poetry. Like she literally and, only knows how to
1: yeah, write her sweet like, romantic nothings, and then Sue's like, actually, like, could you be here?
2: Like, as a person, not a page. she
3: She only knows how to love her by having her be the only person that she shares this with, right? And, like, that is a constant problem for them. That I think she's doing it to be like, this is how important you are to me. Like, you're the only person who gets me, who can read these, who I can write poetry for. And by the end of season three, like, that's why it's so important when she reads the poem at George's Going Away Party, right? Because Sue has been trying to get her to read a poem at a damn salon (laughs) for fucking ever. And she, like, will not do it. She's like, no, like, my poetry isn't for everyone. It's for you. And, like, that's not it, you know? And Sue's like, this is not what I need. Like, I need you to be for me and your poetry to be for everyone. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) For the rest of the world. And so I feel like that's what season three is about, is for Emily to learn, like, how to love sue like how to be able to be like oh hey i'm in love with sue and like scream it at a fucking new york gay bar like that's the journey we all need <laughs> for um yeah for emily and for, sue. and for sue and for every gay person you should just be able to like scream your love in a you know in a gay york, bar a uh, new york city gay bar with walt whitman yes but like that's what i think happens is that when she like she has Taken these steps to be like, "Oh, you want to be like with me the person." And that means like, sure, I will read this poem like for everyone and for George, but mostly for Sue. You know, and it's not just like, oh, I'm like only reading this for you, like in the dark, in a in the still of the night. I will like sneak up into your room and like whisper it to you through the window. Like, no, <laughs> <laughs> I will sleep with you at night and in the daytime, I will read my poems in a damn salon where you yes. can enjoy them with everyone else. Yes. Great. And they have that and they get to that point And then now she's ready to write right.
1: For the world. For well, but, the world, but to be fair, you know? like yes, she is, but she also like like historically she's right she's really not writing for the world. She told Lavinia to burn all of her poems. Yeah. So she's writing. I think she's more writing at once it gets to that point, for her. then she's writing for herself.
3: Yeah. I think she's writing yeah. for her, but I think she's writing less just for Sue. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's not just for Sue anymore, and I think that's the important thing. Yeah, yeah. So but there, yeah. that's what happens in Dickinson. What that was quick. Yeah, we were so. I know we were so listen. fast. <laughs> we're so.
0: Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people, and you find buried
3: treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at microsoft.com slash AI for all.
0: This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus.
3: fast. So what do we want to talk about, Ellie? I know you've got like, some yeah, there's so much
1: to talk about. Things I just, we want to talk. Yeah, about. I tried to sort of just like separate things out by themes because I, what I one thing I really do like about Dickens in the show is that like each season really like tackles certain themes and like over yeah. and overarching you sort of get like a more in depth discussion of those. It's like through through comedy, through different scenarios that are most of all of these people are real right was we say yeah. like loosely based right all mo- all of the people in in dickinson are real i
3: choose to believe Walt Whitman was actually Billy Eichner and i can now um believe no other yes for sure <laughs> i i have headcanoned billy eichner playing Walt Whitman back into Walt Whitman in my head and i'm happier that way
1: <laughs> but yeah so season 1 i feel like we we talk a lot there especially with Emily and Sue there's this like loving somebody you can't be with and i feel like we've done a lot of period pieces before and to me this does not feel the same
3: mm-hmm. for so many reasons For <laughs> a lot of reasons so
1: maybe I just want to talk the
3: sick beats for one yeah, so maybe I just want to
1: talk about that but a few <laughs> things that I like about it that like it is period but it's a little bit more modern is that like they love each other but like it's not as tortured like yes yeah it's tortured but, like, these two people, Emily and Sue, from season one through season three, we know they're, like, they're gonna be together because we also, like, sort of know the history of them. Yeah. Right? Like, like anytime you talk about Emily Dickinson, you're like, oh, and Sue. Like, we know this. <laughs> so, I don't know. I think, like, there's this whole thing, like, of Emily and Sue learning, like, Emily really learning, like, why Sue can't be with her in the way that she wants. But I, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like they like really structured their relationship so that by the end of season three, like they're in a place where like they can really be together in like the best way that was possible for the time.
3: Which Which is Austin watching the baby. (laughs) Yeah, like which is literally her husband watching the baby while they sleep together and her husband while they sleep together and her husband being like, well, that's my sister. So cool. You know, so talk about the girl next door. Yeah, uh, it's your sister. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know. So I just, the twist, no one was oh looking God. for. But I
1: just really like that about this. I think even too, they didn't put this in the actual, in Dickinson, but because you know, you're watching it and you start just like, I just start Googling so much shit. I'm like, Austin Dickinson, like what was he really yeah. like? He also had, he did have like a pretty like well-known affair himself. But it was not with Jane. Uh, Jane Humphrey is a real person, but, like, her character arc is not accurate at all. <laughs> like, she I w- mean, many of them yeah, are. Yeah, let's yeah, be real. Most of, like, the more secondary characters, their character arcs are not accurate. Yeah. Because <laughs> we don't know really that much about them. Like, literally all we know is that she was one of Emily Dickinson's friends. That's, like, we have the name and, like, who she is. So then they built so much. It's
3: what is so interesting, though, is how much of the show it makes it. It's interesting and also like I'm sure is probably really frustrating for anyone who like does want to know like historical accurate facts because so much of it is like so close or like very actually based in fact. And also so much of it is so not and it is so hard to tell. Yes. (laughs) Between the two because some of it is like silly stuff where it's like she did win a baking contest. Yes. Right? And then other stuff is like, Fraser Stearns was a soldier from Amherst. He was the, I think he was like the son of the mayor of Amherst or mm-hmm. something who like went to war and died. And a lot of it, there's like a lot of like historical things where it's like they have that scene where, is it George who comes back and is like, Fraser is killed. Like yeah. he's yelling like, Fraser is killed or something. And like, that was a real thing that happened. Like someone ran into town yelling that. Yeah. Right. Like when Fraser Stearns was killed in war. And so it's like there's all sorts of stuff like that where it's like, that's all real. Was he a hallucination ghost who like predicted his own death to (laughs) Emily Dickinson and like taught her lessons about the importance of fame and your legacy? Less accurate, but (laughs) (laughs) maybe not. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't there. I can't say, you know. (laughs) But so it's like, there's always this weird sort of muddled gray area between the fact and the fiction of it that is, uh, uh, to me, I love it. Anyone who, like, cares deeply about historical accuracy probably loves it less, is my guess. Yes. Also,
1: like, in terms of historical accuracy,
3: I just, like, really do want to go on the
1: point of, like, of Emily and Sue that, like... It's like very much confirmed they were together, like from oh, her writing. Yes. And even there probably were even more between the two of them. So actually Austin Dickinson, the woman that he had an affair with, was also a publisher and published some of Emily Dickinson's poems. Okay. And purposefully took Sue's name out of a bunch of her poems. Yeah. So like even <laughs> so, so the whatever we do have, like, is that's definitively about Sue. We also probably have a lot more that like were about Sue that were redacted.
3: Well, that were redacted or even just like, I mean, Emily was a poet, like anyone who writes anything, like anything, I'm just gonna say anything like poet, poems, songs, books, whatever, like everyone knows that it's like, even when you're not writing about, like explicitly like, say about the, the word, thing you're writing Sue, yeah. about. Yeah, like there's I'm sure there are even more poems that are about Sue that didn't even say Sue to begin with, like whether or not it was turned into nature, you know, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or however they redacted her name out of a bunch of the ones where it did say Sue, like, because that's what you do when you're writing, you know, you're writing about like this thing, but you're but really, you're writing really writing about talking this about this thing over thing. here. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: So I don't know. That's just like one of the things that I, that, that I think is important is like, okay, all and that all I really care about in terms of historical accuracy is like that we know that they were together. And like, yeah. this is like, then we can sort of explore that. But yeah, um, I think two season one did a really good job of and that's, that's, I, I will keep going to season two again. But that's why season two <laughs> was really frustrating. Because how did you feel about season two? Well, Ellie? I'm sorry, but Emily Dickinson, okay, the character of Emily Dickinson in season one was very strong willed. Was very strong-willed, was very, like, against gender roles, would, like, not let anyone tell her who she was or, like, what she could or couldn't do, right? And so, like, then we go to season two and I feel like she's just completely shifted her personality and her, like, her moral compass. Or, like, moral compass isn't right. Like, her confidence. Yeah. Like, she's completely just, like, shifted who she is and is just, like oh, yeah, let me give up all of my autonomy to this other person. So I really like season one because it played with the gender roles. We have the scene where um, Sue and Emily are dressed, literally dressed as men going to college. Mm -hmm. And Emily's like, why can't women go to college? I don't understand this. And then when they go to the future in season three, she's like, holy shit, women are in college. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like sort of a cool juxtaposition. And she fights so hard against her father. And then Season three, she's like, "No, I love my dad,"
3: and blah blah blah. Oh, I know. It's so funny because, yeah. See, I like season two. I I get it. I get why you hate it. I also get the importance of it in a lot of respects. Whereas, like, I hated the whole like Emily like just losing I I don't know the whole Edward thing in season three I was like what are you doing what is this like that bothered me I think more than a lot of stuff in season two because season two in some respects I get it I get it like she doesn't have like she has built her whole this whole thing of writing around Sue and then she's like okay well it can't be Sue but I could be famous like and we've all been there. Like, every person has had that moment of being like, I just want to be a star, you know? Have and- we? I don't understand that urge. Yeah, <laughs> you've never <laughs> never heard of such a thing, Ellie. No, no, no. Makes no <laughs> never. sense. No. Like, you chase that 15 minutes, you know? And so I get it. And I think, like, that's what you're watching, is you're watching her realize, like, oh, hey, I handed somebody else all of this power and control over me, and I shouldn't have done that bad bad me that was a bad call shouldn't have done that that's not the right answer here so like fine the whole thing with her dad i'm just like what is happening like he's he's such a douche he's so terrible she's like been
1: like, like consistently consistently telling her like you shouldn't be a writer because you're a woman your brother like is always gonna get everything. Like, I'm gonna yeah. give him everything that I have, even though he's been like, honestly, like a huge mess. A man,
3: man child. And yeah. a man
1: child. Like, he just is so misogynistic. He calls his wife mother. Like, stop. Like, <laughs> you should not be defending this man.
3: Oh, uh, yeah. It's, listen, it's given strong Mike Pence vibes for me. I'm not here for it. It's not it's, good.
1: Yeah. It's so it's,
3: much. It's not good. So, yeah, I don't know. I hate. I hated that part of uh, of season three, the whole thing with her dad. But I just like the show. I love this show. It's It's really interesting to me, too, because it's like, you know, we talk about the historical accuracy, and I really, when we started watching it and knowing what I knew about it, that I was like, I did not expect this show to work for me you know like this is what i keep saying about it is the whole idea of like oh it's going to be anachronistic like the the music is like all wildly um out of time, time yeah. and the way that they talk and like the it, the jokes that they're making like for the audience in that kind of like breaking the fourth wall sort of way that they're like making jokes for us you know yeah. like out of the scene that they're in that i did not think it was going to work for me and it's just it's perfect like to me it's perfect everything always lands perfectly the music is chef's kiss like just fucking perfect every time it's like annoying how good the music is in this show and to me i feel like it it's so well done in ways that I'm like, why has this not been done this well before? Because so many things have tried to do anachronistic period pieces and they work so badly so much of the time. I mean, you know? I think
1: it's like literally a perfect, it, I, it's just a perfect co- combination it's where I feel like the writing's perfect. really good, but also like each actor is like just, I don't know, you, you believe them yes, every single one in yes. in the way that they're like just ridiculous enough but just like <laughs> understandable enough like i don't know they they just they do a really good job with the acting well, i think
0: well
3: and it what i what's funny about it is usually to me the thing with like mixing like period pieces with anachronisms is it takes you out of it right like every listen okay everyone has done this where it's like how many things have we all watched done as a school project scene put on as a, as a play done as, a, and it's not like they're always bad, but we have all sat through a million things of like, it's Shakespeare, but set it's cool. in an eighties beachside town. And you're like, okay. <laughs> Are you yes, talking about like
1: the, some, the Leonardo DiCaprio, Romeo and Juliet? Cause that one. I is. mean,
3: I wasn't specifically, <laughs> but like, yes. Well, and, and like, sometimes it can work. I'm not going to say it doesn't work. Right. But, A, it's so much more common, especially because it's done so often with Shakespeare that it's done the other way around. The language stays old. The setting is updated, right? Which, like, fine. Okay. Also, there are a lot of times where people have tried to do the, like, let's take the themes or the story or the ideas, like... And we'll put all of it in a contemporary setting and whatever. And, like, sometimes, like, again, they're all Shakespeare. And sometimes they fail for me for the same reason. Because you're like, okay, but you're using, like, the plot of something that makes no sense in here. And then you're, like, trying to pretend that it all makes sense.
1: And this. I think the crazy thing about this is because so much of what's happening is repeating itself. What do you mean? The
3: civil. Oh, the way that it like relates to modern day. Yes. Yes, <laughs> there is that, but that's not what I loved about it. What I loved about it, and like when Kelsey and I first started watching it, we like had this whole conversation about like, why does it work so well? And what we were talking about is that when you like, when you go back and you watch things like this and you watch period shows and you want and you, you know, like go see Shakespeare or whatever, one of the things that's always so hard about it is that people do it in a way that is accurate to the way that they spoke then. But to us, it is wildly unrelatable, right? Like, nobody goes to see Shakespeare and is like, oh, yeah, do you bite your thumb at me, sir? Uh, Like, nobody is, like, super hit by those words. You're just not because that's not how we talk anymore. Yes. And what works for me about this is that, like, that is how they talked then. Like, people had... Slang kids had things that they said that like they were like, oh, we're different than our parents generation. Like people had common, current, contemporary hip shit that they were saying with each other. That was what it was at the time, and it's not now, and so it makes it feel like they are just these old, stodgy, dusty people that they weren't. Like, they were teenagers, and they were, like, having lit parties at the time, you know? Yeah. And so there's just something to me that is, like, so relatable and so, like, it it immerses you more in the period of it for some reason, having them speak wildly out of period to me. That, like, I just love, I love watching people sit around like there's I feel I think it's somewhere in season one and I can't remember exactly what she says but it's like Austin's just like being Austin about something I think and like Emily walks by him like uh, like walks down the stairs and like walks by him and I think she just goes like don't be a dick Austin (laughs) like something and I'm like yeah yes yes like no teenagers even in the 1850s were not gonna call their brother a dick sometimes when he was being a dick like would they have said it with that word no they would have called him whatever was gonna be the like analogue in their time period of that. But that's what she was doing. Like, and when they when you just get to watch characters and you're like, yeah, sure, whatever you would have said then, that's I get it. I get what you're saying. You're telling him to not be a dick. I get it. Yes. Like when Ship does his whole like, uh, oh, like novel and chill, and you're like, Yeah. That's what you would have done. You would have been like, "Yeah, what? What are we gonna do while we like stay at home with the girl I want to marry in her parents' house?" <laughs> yeah, like let's read a book and have sex. And you're like, "Okay, and like, here we yeah, go." Yeah, no- novel and chill. Yeah, yeah. Like it's relatable. It just it like puts you so much more into it in a way that like I did not think it would, and it was flawless. Everything about the writing in this show to me, I'm just I just love it. I just think it's so good. It's so good. I agree. It's frustratingly good. I love it. I know. Well, that's what that was like the. <laughs>
1: One of the only things that I liked about season two is, as I was sort of saying before, is like the the like actual historical themes, right? Because mm-hmm. you have really this whole sensational journalism paper, right? And they do keep making yeah. these jokes of like print journalism will never die, <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like ha 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 ha, you know. But like I don't, I do feel like those nods to us watching at home does make it more like yeah it brings you into their worlds like and you're still like I think everything else around them is the period so like cool right because like you still understand what time period you're in because it looks like the time period like we're not like oh surprised that it's in this time period because they're not like they're wearing outfits from that time period there are corsets everywhere (laughs) you completely understand you know when Emily Dickinson lived they're talking about like uh, events that are happening around them like you understand the time period yeah but, yeah, I feel like because, like, even the second season, right, is, like, leading up to Civil War and then the third season is, like, we're in the Civil War. And that, too, like, is very much, like, they they keep, like, mentioning all kinds of stuff that, like, we're talking about now where yeah. they're, like, oh, well, I have relatives in the South and, you know, like, they're nice people and, <laughs> you know, or, like um, – like I don't know like there's just so many things that they're saying that you're like this could literally be something that someone says on Facebook tomorrow yeah. right where they're like yep. oh, it's we just live in such polarizing times you know and, and like, they
3: they do it so so well, well. like so, so well. pointedly and so just yeah just yeah. really well and one
1: of the other things I do love about it is like all of like I think the first season didn't do as good of a job on it and I think that they probably like got some feedback from the audience that, like, they really incorporated into season two, which is that, like, all the black characters in season one were, like, very, very secondary, like, tertiary I'm like, all the way down. And then in the second season, they really focused a lot more on the black characters, on Henry, on Betty, on them, like, creating their own revolution and Austin being a part of that, like, trying to help make a difference yeah. they talked they they talked a bit about abolition in season one what are your views on it whereas yeah like, yeah mr dickinson was like oh i don't know like <laughs> still, <laughs> still being a dick um yeah so that is one thing that i did also like about season two is that we do dig more into the backstory of like all of the the black characters that we see that we like never got and we also get we did get some of this in season one Them also like calling out the Dickinsons on their shit. I love when Henry's like Emily Dickinson. Can you shut? Like life is not hard for you. Yeah. (laughs) Or she's just like, I just the world is so like she's so like upset about the world and it's like yes Emily true, but Henry's like I'm sitting here tuning your piano and you like want me to pretend to be Othello like you There's a disconnect here with you and your words and yeah it.
3: he's like your problems and other people's problems not, not the, the same, same thing yeah.
1: also fun fact IO who plays um Hattie I literally did did theater with her when I was in elementary school
3: incredible so I saw
1: her, and she she wrote a few episodes too I think she wrote what was the there's one where they like have a dance party in the barn. Do you know that yes, one? Yeah. I think she yes, was a co-writer on she that. She wrote episode. that. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. incredible. So yeah, that was also cool. I was like, oh shit.
3: I know her. <laughs> that's such a good episode, too. <laughs> it was a really good That's one. the that's the nobody episode, right? Like yeah. that's where the one where Emily's invisible. Mm-hmm. That's such a great episode. Yeah. And I mean there yeah, there's
1: there's just so many themes that they tackle of like that episode in particular, talking about like black joy, right? Where they're like yeah let's celebrate like obviously there's a lot of shit going on but like let's celebrate and like be happy and have some joy here and so i just like i yeah it's a great episode and they're they're like voguing too so it also is like contemporary they're bringing even more contemporary stuff in there too yep or they're like even their dancing is contemporary and you're like i still this still feels right yeah it's so good I, mean, I think it's this is okay. a really interesting lesson, too, because as much as I'm like, oh, season two is not about Sue and Emily. This show is still great because it's not the show is not all about Sue and Emily.
3: No, their relationship is is pretty terrible in that season, though. But the show itself is still great. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, although I'm curious because I know you put a note here in it and I know people have a lot of opinions on Sue and Emily in a general, like Sue and Emily, the characters in this show yeah, yeah. in a general sense. I'm curious. What are your What are your thoughts,
1: Ellie? I honestly just started like thinking about this today because when I was reading, people were like, Sue and Emily are toxic or other people were like, eh, they're not. I, I don't really, <laughs> I don't necessarily think they're toxic. I don't think they're toxic. I do think that they are very different and they have a very hard time communicating with each other. So like that's why like I think season three is really important for them because it's like the they figure out better how to communicate with each other. But yeah. I I don't I don't necessarily feel like they're toxic. I don't know, like toxic feels like too intense because I guess there's like an obsession element, mm-hmm. right? Like Evelyn's obsessed with Sue, which is like why like most of her poems and like so many of her letters are to her. But I also feel like And there's like a secrecy to their relationship, right? Because there has to be.
2: Mm -hmm. So
1: they can't fully be like open and honest with the people around them. But I don't know. I still just feel like it's like they're being as least the least toxic they could possibly be for the circumstances that they're in.
3: I agree because I what's funny is I have seen things with people talking about like their relationship is toxic. I've seen a lot of things with people who do not like Sue. Like, people have a whole lot of issues with Sue. Well, Sue is a complicated character. So, like, people have a lot of problems with, especially season two, Sue, right? Because they're like, oh, my God, like, you're crazy. And you're, like, pushing her away. But then having an affair and then, like, telling her that, like, you only ever feel things with her. And then season three, she's like... How dare you send your writing to like anybody but me and she like gets all jealous and whatever. So like, I get it. I mean, what I think is interesting about it is that <laughs> we, the queer community, let me speak for all of us. Um, we the queer community, we're so hard to please in a lot of ways because we want our characters to be in couples and we want them to have happy endings. But also, we want interesting characters and drama and journeys and all of this stuff and I feel like this has all of that to me like they are complicated people with trauma (laughs) and And also Sue
1: has a lot of trauma like a lot of trauma more trauma than Emily
3: yes yes (laughs) for sure and that's that's why I think it's interesting that like Sue gets a lot of hate but I think Sue as a character as she's written to me over the entire course of this show i think has like the most perfectly plotted out character growth that like you could put in a show you know um and that's why i think it's funny to me because you look at so much of this stuff like <laughs> all i can think right now because i just happened to have seen this tiktok today and it made me laugh but it was this like stand up comedian who was doing this whole thing about how like you know oh like everyone always like you know talks about like Leading up to getting married, like planning for your wedding and all this stuff. And she's like, that's a sprint. You're like sprint, 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 sprint. And you like go through like the, you know, like planning and the dress and the venue and the whatever. And it's like, that's just the, you like sprint. And then you like finish your sprint and you're like, (sighs) and then you look ahead of you. And there's just like the beginning of like a marathon. (laughs) And like that (laughs) marathon is. Marriage. Staying married, yeah. right? <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's and she like you know like the whole it's like all she has all these jokes about like how do people look when they finish a sprint versus how do people look when they finish a marathon. But I think the the reason that it's coming to mind right now as we talk about Emily and Sue's relationship and like Sue as a character to me is to me the whole show is like watching two people work through their shit. <laughs> And learn how to have a not toxic relationship finally with each other. Yes. And like you can look at that and say, like, they're so toxic. But I feel like it ignores where they got to. to. Yeah. Like, Like, if all of you. Yeah. Right. Like, because what you watch is all of the stuff that they need to get through to work past that. And get to the place that we always ask for them to get to, which is like, hey, two people who have a happy ending and have any hope of a future together. That's what that looks like is like sometimes it's going to look shitty and toxic because sometimes we all have shitty like stuff that we have to get. Through and like so, I don't know. I get it, but it's also like I saw. I've seen a lot of things too with people who like go off on season three. Sue and the baby and how like clingy and needy and demanding and whatever she is, and I'm like, dude, have you ever? Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I'm
1: also like, girl is basically raising this child on her own, and like her husband's not there, and her lover's also not wanting to help. So like. Yeah, yes. I think she literally she's just asking for what she needs.
3: Nothing. She's literally just well, asking
1: for what she needs. Like, I don't feel like she's like overly demanding.
3: I, I mean, she has her moments, <laughs> but also to be fair, I'm like, listen, I had a newborn in like fucking 2018 when like. We live in a time of endless like connection and phones and texts and like social media. And like you have the whole world in your pocket and like it's lonely as shit. Mm -hmm. It sucks. You're like so separated and you can't ever like there is no time. You don't ever have time for yourself. And so I'm like, do I get it? Like, is she a little crazy? Yes, of course she is. When is she ever going to have, like, what does she have? What does she have? You know, it's like, yes, you have your baby and that's great. And you're a mother. And like, yes, you love your child. But I'm like, dude, she needs a break. She needs a friend. She needs to, like, sit and talk to someone. And, like, every time she talks to Emily all season, you know, like, Emily's just like my poems my poems my poems my poems my poems and Sue's just like I just need to see you as a human person in my life please and then Sue's like wow all you want to do is like be with me and I'm just gonna go and send my poems to someone else now (laughs) and I'm like. Jesus like can you imagine if like the love of your life the only thing that they had that like connected you to them still was like sending you this poetry and telling you how like you are the only person that they want to read their poems and like you are the only person who gets them and that they value like you above all else and like these poems are just for you and then they never see you because all they're ever doing is writing poetry and then instead they're like actually you don't seem to have time for my poems anymore because you're so busy with your baby so like I'm gonna send them to this dude I've never met yeah to this literal (laughs) random man Like, why are we doing what? This? Um, that <laughs> and I'm is, like, of course, she goes crazy. Yes, also, I'm like,
1: let's super quickly, as you're saying crazy, <laughs> let's speak a little bit because there's a really like good episode about mental health, and yes. also, like, they literally go to like they call them insane asylums in the time, so that's what I will call it. But go yeah. to the, the insane asylum, and basically, like it's a commentary on like women being crazy because there also is like, there's a lot of speculation about Emily Dickinson. Like people think like maybe she was manic bipolar or or, like all kinds of other things going on. And it's like, okay, even if she was that problem, I don't know, at this point in my life, I'm like, you know what? Her, whatever was going on in her brain helped her create this freaking poetry. Her imagination was working like crazy because she had, she was neurodivergent. Like, and that's freaking amazing, you know? So it's like, yeah. but she goes there and, like, they're liter- the guy's literally like, you have to commit your daughter. And it's the only time that <laughs> Mr. Dickinson does anything decent is he's like, I'm not going to. I know. Oh, oh, he does the minimum. I'm not going to give you my daughter for the insane asylum. <laughs> but you find, you know, there's, like, I thought it was a really cool scene where they have everyone in the basement, right? And it's, like, one of them is, like, they didn't understand my gender. Another yeah. one is, like, oh, I was at a. A women's suffrage rally. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. like there's like, yeah, all kinds of different reasons why they're there that are all just like being an independent. Women thinking. be crazy. Yeah. Like women yeah. be
3: crazy. And it's like actually. I'm sorry. Your woman has opinions and thoughts. Better commit her. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
1: So I know that, that like they briefly touched on that, but I was happy that they did touch on that because that is a decent part of the Emily Dickinson discourse. Yeah. And so to, like, throw it in the show and be, like, she's she doesn't need to be committed. Like, I just thought it was, like, good for them to, like, throw that out there. Especially when she's been called crazy, like, ev- constantly. Yeah. Oh, like, our crazy sister. We're all normal here. Emily's the crazy one. <laughs> and then Lavinia's love- in, the in her. Finale.
3: <laughs> oh, my God. I love Lavinia so much. <laughs> Yeah. So much. Well, but, and that's like, I, I agree. I think they do a really good job of calling that out all the time where they're constantly highlighting how, like, oh, but like, Emily's the crazy one around here. And like, everyone's fucking bonkers. Like, everyone's batshit. Yes. <laughs> Everyone, it's a little, a little bit much and a little crazy. But yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm curious. I just wanted to know because I agree. I don't, I, it's not like I'm going to say Emily and Sue are like, as shown on screen, the perfect relationship. No, I mean, they're not. But I feel like at least they are people who are working their way towards one another. Yeah.
1: And I do feel like it's like you could see like each of them sort of, yeah, each of them had to work on their own shit. And like I said, like, like freaking, I don't know, everyone is being very hard on Sue and is like, she has had so, so much trauma. She married a man she didn't want to marry because she literally needed to to yeah, survive
3: because her entire family died to survive because her
1: entire family died she she had a miscarriage there's all kinds of things that just were like but building up in her and then you're going to be like oh well she sucks it's like mm, she was <laughs> going through a lot of shit and to be fair was emily actually there for her what did she ask her how are you doing are you okay
3: yeah. So like, or did she constantly write her poems and then ask her about her yeah. poems and her thoughts? And to on be her fair, poems. like if we're talking about
1: like <laughs> character development, like Emily Dickinson as a character was like pretty selfish, I would say. Yeah, you know, extremely, extremely self-involved. selfish, very self-involved. But like that self-involvedness is like what led to her just like feeling like she. All of her thoughts were so important to get written down, and that's, like, why yeah. we have so much of her poetry. But, yes, yeah, so I think they both had their shit, but I agree. Like, we got – what do you want? Like, what do you what do you want from <laughs> us? Like, this is complicated, interesting, like, goes in a lot of different directions. and Gay also, as fuck. And gay as hell. We get a lot of really, really good sex scenes, a lot of good kissing yeah. scenes, a lot of good just, like – communication between the two of them that's very Ella romantic. hunt queer in real life yes. i mean like listen. we have a, there's a lot of like boxes that this checks off in terms of like representation are are emily and sue like my favorite couple ever pro i would not say yes i think it's a good representation like i would put it it's, in it's in a top tier of like oh it's yeah that's a good. pretty good come on queer representation where did where Emily and Sue land for you in terms of, like...
3: Yeah, they're up there. I mean, I feel like the show, to me, outstrips the relationship. Like, mm. I... Would I say Emily and Sue are, like, my top ship? No. But do I think Dickinson is one of, like, what I would consider one of the best shows that I've watched? Yes. Yes, for sure. <laughs> yes. Like, I just, I think it's amazing. I think it's incredible. I love it. Agreed. It happens to contain their relationship, which I enjoy watching. And, you know, listen, I mean, if we're, again, like what we talked about with the the whole finale of season two, I'm like, what a, what a great fucking scene. I like, know. Just Also like, yeah, like worth,
1: plus. worth watching some YouTube compilations. But I also do feel like if you sit down and you watch the show, like anyone who's listening, if you've listened to this whole thing and you haven't seen the show yet, I'm so sorry because we gave oh, my so God. many spoilers. But yeah. I would just say like go into the show knowing that it's a show worth watching with good queer content, not shows that we – because I feel like there's other shows that I've watched in the past that are like, all right, I have to get through this show to get to the gay, right? And I'm like, okay, I'm going to sit here waiting for it. And it's like, no, like actually every single episode is interesting. They're so – it's just –
3: it's a great show. All of
1: the characters are great. I'm not just watching it for Emily and Sue, which I think is why, too, I'm not like putting them as much of on a pedestal. But I agree. It's like, it is because the show itself is just like a great piece of art.
3: Yeah. And it's the only thing that's disappointing to me is I know that there are far fewer people who have Apple TV. And I think that's made it so a lot fewer people have watched it. But I also know it is like, I think it's like one of the most popular shows they've had as you know it's like Ted, Ted Lasso and Dickinson I think are like pretty high up on the Apple TV rankings it is good enough that I will actually like tell people like it is worth it like buy like get it for a month if you get a new you bought a new phone you like upgraded your phone you got a new laptop like you get a year of free Apple TV sign up for that year like even if you don't keep it it is worth it just to watch this. Like, that's how good I think this show is, is I'm like, just pay for a month. It's that good. (laughs) Like, you'd rent a movie for that price, pay for a month of Apple TV, and, like, watch this show. It's incredible.
1: I just got, well, because I watched season one on a free trial last year and then I dropped off for season two and three because I was done with my free trial. I got another seven day free trial this past week and watched season two and three in and seven days. And there you go. All right.
3: It's so good. It is
1: worth it.
3: How many of those days are left? You got to catch up on Ted Lasso because I know do I point. might honestly, I might just <laughs> bite the bullet and
1: freaking just buy yeah. Apple TV. But I'm like, I've been trying to be like, let me just get it for free as long as I can.
3: Do you do you have any other things weighing on your heart that you need to share with us? Uh, you know, we haven't hit like two hours yet. so I know, we got we're time. so close. <laughs> um, I think I just have one
1: more thing that I've sort of touched on before, but is always, it's just important to me and I don't care. Like, I'm like, I'm not going to apologize for it being important to me. But like sex scenes and lesbian content is important to me. So like for Dickinson, I feel like a few things that i really like is like we do get like very realistic lesbian sex scenes we literally get a scene where sue is fingering emily until she orgasms and i'm like great and that's like it right like that's like that's the act that they did that night and then and then yeah. sue's like all right i'm done let's cuddle right like <laughs> i i want to see that like it doesn't have to be like this like oh, dramatic shot like let's look at the like they're back of their knees for a minute, but like giving us a f- like few different versions of what yeah. sex between these two women looks like. I really love, and some of those do mean like there is a whole scene where like Sue's like kissing Emily's knee and like stroking her body, and like that's yeah. great too. But I just like that there's a diversity of lesbian sex scenes.
3: All of them, to me at least, it felt very female gazy. You know, like none of the scenes filmed between the two of them, whether it's them kissing, whether it's them in bed, whatever, like they did not feel like the male gaze to me. And that again, like that is always important in our queer content that like, yeah, like the end of season three, like the episode where they have that whole like (laughs) take baby Austin. That was a great filmed scene. That was really well done. Right. And again, and like, it's not even that it's like super explicit or like super graphic or anything. It's just filmed well. And I feel like it's filmed in a believable way where you are like, yes, women who enjoy women will enjoy watching this. Exactly. Exactly. Because. It all, Yeah, it also we is do, like, you like, know what we love? We love a soft curve. We, we love like we love eyes. We love all of this. We like we love this. I'm like, this is not TMI, but whatever.
1: But I also <laughs> do feel like watching it. I could like put myself in that position and be like, yeah, this is something that's familiar to me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like rather than like, I don't like for another example. I,
3: I get you, Ellie, I is get It's like it.
1: blue is the warmest color, like that sexy. I'm like, I can't place myself in it. Yeah. You know, I'm like, that's not I, I don't see myself like replacing one of those people and I'm like, yeah, I've done that before. Like, you know, so so I just feel like to me it felt very familiar and like you said, very tasteful and for us.
3: Yeah, it's intimate. It's not gratuitous. It's I just I, I really enjoyed
1: them. them. I love them. But that's that's. Well, my however last you thing.
3: feel about their relationship aside, like just the filming of those scenes, like the cinematography of it alone, and I think also like like believable acting. Yes. you know, like I think they did a really good job with these characters and telling the story that they're telling, and like. They have, I think, like, they as actors had great chemistry together, and I think they used it really well in the show, and it just works.
1: Some of the, some of the, like, when they zoom in on Ella Hunt's face, and, like, she really, she looks madly, madly in love.
3: Yeah, dude. It's a lot. It's it's a lot. Ella Hunt is a lot in this show. She does a great job. (laughs) Sometimes. She does a great job. Ella Hunt sticking Haley Steinfeld's finger in her mouth is a lot. Yeah, that was a lot. That was a lot. It's a lot. Yeah.
1: But I'm a fan. (laughs) Let's leave it at that. Let's leave it at that. (laughs) All right. And on that note, like, do you want to head into our, <laughs> our Q and gay?
3: I would love to do some Q and gay right Let's now. Let's
1: do it. <laughs> uh,
3: Q. 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 And, 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 and gay.
1: gay. Question number one. What's your favorite season of Dickinson? A, one, B, two, C, three.
3: Oh, uh, it's so hard. I love a lot of season one, but I think season three is my favorite. It's just I love it, but I I really like it from a Broader storytelling perspective. I just love what they did with the season. I think it's brilliant.
1: I also, to piggyback off of that, we didn't talk that much about this in this in the episode. I love the like ma- they did so much like magical realism type stuff yeah. in season three that really worked well. Like you were like yeah, like the moving into the future works so well. The, yeah, like there's a whole part where like Emily goes into like the circles of hell that work really well. Yeah. So good. I love season three as well. That's my favorite season.
3: Okay, question two. What is your favorite Emily Dickinson poem out of A, I taste a liquor never brewed, B, Wild Nights, Wild Nights, C, One Sister Have I in Our House, or D, Because I Could Not Stop for Death?
1: I mean, to be fair, this show also gave me like much more appreciation for Emily Dickinson's poems. Just hearing them read out loud, you're like,
3: damn, this
1: bitch could write. I really love Because I Could Not Stop for Death.
3: Me too. It's so funny because I was expecting you would pick any of the other ones. And I don't know why. But also Because I Could Not Stop for Death is always the Emily Dickinson poem I've known the best. Mm -hmm. And it still slaps. It really does. And I love I just love how
1: death is portrayed
3: by Wiz Khalifa in the show. He's fantastic. He's so good.
1: Uh, But yeah, I don't know. There's something about it. It it just sticks with you, I think. Maybe it's the meter of it that like really gets locked in. But I just really like that one. All right. Good choice. Good choice. Question number three. What's your favorite Sue and Emily moment? A, the orchard in the rain. B, the only true thing I'll ever feel is my love for you. C, Sue wanting to raise her baby with Emily. Or D, dressing like dudes to go to class.
3: Ah. These are impossible. I don't know how to choose. Okay, I'm gonna say I love Sue wanting to raise her baby with Emily because I feel like, again, it's the kind of thing that to me feels very anachronistic. Like, I can't say whether I think either one of them would have even considered been able that, yeah. to envision that as an option. And so I love that they had that so explicitly said To have Sue, like, voicing something that I think hits queer people differently now, right? Like, to have someone say, like, wow, it's the 1850s, and here I am with my newborn baby that I had with your brother, and to have someone, like, really put into words, like, why can't we have a family together? Like, why can't I raise this baby with you, just the two of us, and this could be our family? And I'm like, ugh, (laughs) (laughs) Because even now, like even I still have days where I am like, wow, I have a wife and children and a house and that's my life. And like that still feels like there are people on this earth today who can barely envision that as being a a possibility for them. So I just I don't know like I, to me I feel like that's the kind of scene that might not hit everyone the way that I think it hits like queer people oh, who yeah. watch it you know that
1: shit hit hard you're just like it hits hard it does <laughs> why can't they run away together
3: uh, I love it ah <sighs> oh, yeah that's tough okay question four Ellie who's the best historical writer guest character on Dickinson out of a Henry David Thoreau B, Louisa May Alcott, C, Walt Whitman, or D, Sylvia Plath.
1: I know what your answer is, but I gotta go with Sylvia Plath. I loved that episode. she like, It's a
3: valid answer.
1: Sylvia Plath just, I don't know, just was perfect. Like, the character and the acting was so good. Just, like, how flippant she was with, like, Emily Dickinson and Lavinia being like, you're really committing to this bit, huh? And, like, she called them lesbians. Like, you know, it just, she just hit every mark for me, really.
3: She was great. What yeah. a, like, great bit part. Just was incredible. So good.
1: All right, question number five. Are you more of an A, Emily, B, Sue, C, Lavinia, or D, Mrs. Dickinson?
3: <sighs> Listen, I don't know if I want this to be the answer, but I know you know as well as I do, Ellie, that I am an Emily. <laughs> <laughs> it's Okay. I know, I know that you know this because you have also suffered through enough moments of me being like, did you read my poem? What did you think of my poem? <laughs> you of my poem? <laughs> Ellie, did you listen to the beta of the song I wrote? Tell me about these lyrics. Do you want me to go through all of the things about the lyrics and why I put them in there and what this is referencing and what this is talking about? And did you get this? Did you catch up? Did you catch on this? Did you want me to? That, should I explain this to you? Oh my God. Did you listen? I wrote another verse. I know, you know, I'm an Emily. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay.
1: And Emily is the greatest poet of all time, so you know it's okay to be an Emily. Yeah, I don't mean it that way, but I just <laughs> uh,
3: you know the spirit of it. Yes, I... the spirit of like
1: here's my work. Listen to it. Pay
3: attention. Tell please, me please, I'm good, <laughs> please, please, please. <laughs> Let me know if it's good. I mean, to be fair, what did you think about it? Yeah. Is it okay? Was it good? Yeah. Did you like it? What did you do? Did you read it? Do you need me to? Should I write it differently?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. To be fair, like it's like a like for I feel like for Emily and for you, it is like a like I really put a lot of work into this. Like I hope you like it. Like, you know, please tell me that you like it because it's my heart here throwing it here to you. So
3: all I have to say is God bless you and Kelsey who have to put up with all of that for me. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm your Sue. But I think I would be
1: I feel like I'm I would be Lavinia. I could see that. I would totally rock
3: being Lavinia. She's just like you're like I'm a stare at a sheep.
1: Yeah. The performance art aspect like she's so dramatic like yeah. She just... She's very dramatic. She's so dramatic. Uh, Lavinia
3: is the center of Lavinia's world. Yes. In the most delightful way. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love it.
1: I don't have, like, the boy crazy aspect of Lavinia, but the personality I think I vibe with.
3: <laughs> yeah. See? And what does it tell you? Season I two, I love Lavinia. Lavinia so, season two, hey. Lavinia is me.
1: <laughs> I love That's the only her. character development I like in season two is Lavinia. I, I just love her. That's all. I love it. Remember, you can give us your own answers to this episode's and gay questions on our Twitter at LesHangoutPod. Before we go, we're going to also do our drinking game rules because we have drinking game rules for every Les Essentials. So we will say, make sure you drink responsibly. and <laughs> please, please, please do not.
3: We need a waiver. We need to get a waiver yeah. for people. If to you're going to do this,
1: sign the waiver before. <laughs> do, not,
3: do not hold this against us if you actually try to do this. Yes. You may or may not die.
1: Take it easy if you feel like you're getting too drunk. But if you want to have a fun night with your partner or or your friends, and you want to watch some Dickinson and do some of these drinking game rules, here they are. One, anytime Emily meets with death, her boyfriend. Two, anytime someone says something anachronistic. Three, anytime someone calls Emily out for her privilege, because we love when that happens. Four, anytime Lavinia talks about her cats. Five, anytime Emily and Sue are naked in bed together. Here for that. Six, anytime Emily gets published. So that's only like the one time she gets published. So if it's like something got published and they're like, hey, Emily, look at your thing again and again. Only drink for the first time that poem is published. Okay. <laughs> Do not when you guys getting crazy on that one. Seven, anytime a new famous author's character is introduced. So only when they're introduced. Don't keep drinking as they're sitting in the- Waterfall. Like, waterfall. Yeah. yeah only when, when you see them for the first time. And eight, anytime all four of the popular kids show up to a party and strike a post. I love which them. happens at most parties I was cracking up as I was watching all the episodes that they do strike a pose like every time they walk into a room which is amazing oh man that was a doozy Lee <laughs> it's a lot of content we made it a lot of content we made it. I it. I do have like a very newfound love and respect for Emily Dickinson though after watching Dickinson yeah I really
3: do I agree let me hear you say "hip, hip, 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 hip with, yeah. We love hearing from all of you. We love continuing to build this community, and we just want to shout out some of our favorite things every episode. And this week, we want to shout out someone who messaged us on Instagram to recommend. A m- we were talking about how some, most of our essentials, we've been doing a lot of newer stuff, and sometimes it's just you know we like to find some older movies. So they suggested a 1998. <sighs> film that came highly recommended so i hear the international title is show me love but the original swedish title is i'm gonna i'm gonna do my you best to pronounce this correctly She's been practicing so i think this. it's pronounced fucking umul nice i'm into it so listen it's on our list make sure we both get a chance to watch it uh and see what we think but thank you frida for reaching out and giving us the suggestion we are Always, always love some new ideas of what to watch.
1: Oh, yeah. Also, I would like to shout out the Swan Queen fandom because we have a, had a hilarious week this week with everyone just like going wild over our Swan Queen should have been gay.
3: We As knew you people should. would be excited. As you should.
1: <laughs> yes, we've been waiting a long time for this and we're happy that you enjoyed the episode. As always, want to thank our Lesbian Jesus patrons. Mark Foster.
3: Jess Klaus.
1: Tanya Ferguson.
3: Jacqueline Rose Nishino.
1: Sarah and Julia.
3: Danny Gunlock Tamara, Brittany Ray, Alana Rosen,
1: Lizette Stye, Stacy, Adie Benitez,
3: Fiona W.,
1: Whitney Lennon,
3: Jennifer Trujillo,
1: and our King Princess patrons, Amy and Ellen,
3: Leah Henley,
1: Liz Chen, Julia Gonzalez and Ashley White. Thank you all so much. We are always blown away by how many names are on there. We love you all so much. We could not make the show without you.
3: Remember, you can also find us on all the social medias on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Pod,
1: Or you can email us at leshangoutpod at gmail.com.
3: You can check out our website at leshangoutpod.com.
1: Whatever app you use for podcasts, make sure you subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes drop.
3: And make sure that you are subscribed and caught up on the flame because all the episodes of that are up and we're going to have a whole new musical drop in before you even know it.
1: We're also posting videos on our YouTube channel this season, so make sure you subscribe at youtube.com slash to catch them.
3: If you want to help support the podcast, the easiest and freest way to do that is to leave us a rating and a review on the Apple Podcasts app. It helps new people find the show.
1: If you want to support us and help us get to that 150 patrons so we can start releasing some fun bonus episodes, you can do that at bit.ly slash lespatreon, and you'll also get access to our Patreon-only Q&A on February 23rd.
3: If you want to help support The Flame and help us get The Flame on stage and make the next musical, you can join our Patreon specifically for our shows at bit.ly slash theflamepatreon. We have so much exciting stuff coming up in the next year, and we are just really Really looking forward to everybody who's helping us make it happen because it's exciting.
1: If you want to get some Les Hangout merch, you can get that at bit.ly slash Les Shop. I personally have been drinking a lot, a lot of tea out of my Flame mug that says here at the Flame, everybody is family. And it's so freaking cute. And it reminds me that I have this beautiful family. So if you want to get a mug, there's all kinds of other stuff on there, but you can get that at bit.ly slash Les Shop.
3: If you want to follow us individually, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at LSH Foster.
1: And you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Ellie Brigida. With that, I'm Ellie. And I'm Lee, And And let's let's hang hang out out again again soon.
3: Let's
1: hang out.
2: heart with a seal made of white. of my heart you're scared to show I can be what you've always wanted can't you see you're the only true thing